Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Let's all read out loud these verses. If you cannot see your Bible because of the light or because of a, uh, a sight problem or a vision problem, look up on the screen and read with us. Let's read it out loud. Mark 5:25 says, audibly, everybody, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Our Father, we bow our heads tonight and ask you to take this portion, this story, this woman's plague, this woman's issue. And I pray tonight that you'll use it to draw us close to you as your children. I pray for that one that's here confused about salvation. I pray for that one that's here thinking, but not possessing Christ Jesus. Oh, they think they do because they're as good as everybody else here. But they never have knelt down and done business with God and said, I need to be saved. I pray, Lord, we'd never let people around here think membership is enough. I pray we'd never let people think that getting into a baptistry gets them into the kingdom. We get into the baptistry because we're already in the kingdom. And I pray tonight, Lord, that we'd see salvation as a blood issue. Salvation is uh, a faith issue. Salvation is a God issue. Me and God. Ain't got nothing to do with me and Mama, me and Papa, me and Nana, me and Papa. It's me. It's God and I. It must be a relationship. Help us to see it. And thank you, Lord, for those things that you've shown us along the way. Now, bless as we try to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I want you to look with me, if you will, please, and take this proposition out of this portion of Scripture. We can learn something from this dear woman. And we can learn something from this dear woman by studying the issues that she brings. The Bible says she came to Jesus because of an issue of blood. She had a dreadful disease, an incurable disease. She went to doctors and she just got worse. Now, I want you to see tonight, if you will, please, the issues are this woman with issues that came to Jesus. There are women in this congregation tonight who are here with some issues. There are some men in this congregation tonight here with some issues that relate uh, to things that are pertinent in our life every day. I want you to see the first issue, if you will, please, the issue of detachment. This was an issue of her family. Now, I want you to see something about Jewish law. This woman had an issue of blood. It was first cousin to leprosy. It was highly contagious. She had a blood disorder that was incurable. She also had a blood disorder that had pushed her away from normal relationships with her husband. It had also pushed her away from normal relationship with her children, if she had any. It was a situation that has detached her from a normal situation. She never got to set her children on her knee and talk to them at Christmas time 
or did she ever get her to set him to, to set him on her knee and just love him and encourage him in the home? She for twelve years had issues and she had some problems. She had some difficulties in her life, and there was the issue of detachment. She was detached from normality. She did not have the ability to have normal relationships. This led to two things in her life. First of all, it led to loneliness. This woman for 12 years was estranged from her heritage. 12 years she lived basically as a solitary woman who was akin to, as I said, a case of leprosy. It was inside and not outside. But she would bleed freely. She had problems. And they would quarantine people back there for a scab. They would quarantine people because of Jewish law and the Levitical laws of the Old Testament. They'd put them out. They'd displace them. They would detach them away from everything else. And so for 12 years, she had loneliness in her life. Not only that, this left, this led to longing also. She had a longing for this thing to change. She had a want for this thing to dissipate. She had a longing for a cure. She, if she had not have wanted a cure, she wouldn't have spent all she had. If she hadn't wanted to get well, she wouldn't have went to all the physicians that she had. G. Campbell Morgan said the woman spent up everything she had going to those who had nothing to give her. And that's exactly where she was. It led her to loneliness. And it led her to longing. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, there's some women in this church and there's some men in this church and there's some people in this church tonight. Somehow, we come to God with issues. We come to God with this issue of detachment. We feel like we don't belong. Sometimes we feel like we just don't have what it takes to be happy. I had a man tell me the other day, he said, I wish that I could just detach myself from everything and ride off somewhere and never come back. I was watching a story the other night on TV. Maybe you've seen it about a man who was president of a college in Maryland. He had everything from a wife to the white columned house out front with the maple trees that turned golden in the fall. He had everything from money. He had everything from popularity. He had everything that he needed in the public and in the social eye. One day he got in his automobile and went to work and never came back. He was found uh, in El Paso, Texas, living under an alias name in a cheap flea bag hotel and just bar hopping from night to night. And in one place, he had gotten down to the point where he was barefooted and had nothing in his pocket to even eat on. And he was eating out of a soup kitchen and eating out of a, a mission table in a rescue mission in that city. He, he felt unattached. He felt the loneliness that drove him away. Now, most of us are far too spiritually sophisticated to get good honest with somebody and talk about our true feelings because we're holding up that Baptist facade and we're trying to make sure everybody knows that we've got everything we need and we don't even need a prayer uttered for us because we are spiritually able and we are spiritually capable. We come to church and set up right. We come to church and we have our tie tied correctly. We come to church and we have all the right labels on our dresses and we shop at the finest places and we want everybody to know that we are absolutely across the board adorable. But the truth of the matter is, down deep where you sleep at night when the lights go off, you lay with your eyes open just like this woman felt, and she felt she had an issue. And some of us have an issue to bring to God tonight.
And it's an issue of loneliness. Let me say something to you. The greatest sin is not the sin of loneliness. The greatest sin is making everybody believe you're not lonely. I'm waiting for the day when I walk up to somebody and uh, it'd be like somebody I walked up to about a month ago. I walked up, I said, how are you doing? And the person looked at me and said, about as bad as I ever have. I'm about as miserable as a person can get. I said, that's wonderful. That's a great place to get. There is where you confront your issues. There's where you start getting honest. Something is not as it ought to be. Women are emotional creatures. Women are needy beings. Most men in this church need to learn that. They are vulnerable. They are susceptible. They're weak. The Bible calls them. Now, don't don't let your don't don't let your uh, your your um, what is the word? Don't let your femininity jump up in my face now and 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 jump hot and say I'm against you. I'm just saying this, ladies. The Bible even designates a weaker link, but that's not talking about inferiority. It's talking about what I'm talking about. They get lonely easy. They have longings that men don't understand. And I want you to know something tonight. This woman had an issue, and it was an issue of detachment. It was an issue of family. You know, sometimes in raising the family, you can get detached in the middle of doing it. Sometimes in trying to meet all the needs. There are women in this church who work, men in this church who work. You work, you work, you work, you work. You come home, you hope you can get everything done. And the whole time you're trying to keep it together, you're getting further and further detached from the love and the admiration and the emotion you want to feel for it. I just come tonight to tell you, you can bring your issues to Jesus. The preacher may not understand. Your husband may not. And I'm not up here this, this evening to slap you around, nor am, up, am I up here to make fun. And I'm sure not here to tell you tonight that I know all the answers from you are for you. I am here to tell you tonight there are some women in here with some issues just like this woman had. And there's only one place you can take them and somebody understand them. And it's not to family court. It's not to the, uh, to the counseling session at the church house. But if you can just get close enough to touch him one time. Something can happen to you. And you know, men are not like that mostly. Men are not that way mostly. They'll suck it up and go. They'll hide it. Way down deep, they have some issues. And sometimes those issues are issues of detachment. They feel like they're not getting done what they want to. They feel like they're not as important as they ought to be or as important as they used to be. And I'm sure glad, fellas, you can bring your issues to Jesus. For He has a position to where He can be touched. Years ago, uh, I was over here preaching in Hammond Hill School on a Sunday night. It was about 105 degrees. We didn't have any air conditioner back in those days. We were paying $25 a week for a rented building. We probably should have stayed in it and let the state help us. But we, uh, we, we built over here and took upon ourselves the debt of the ministry. But we was paying $25 a week 
for that 1,000-seat uh, or 900, 800-seat, whatever it was, cafeteria at Hammond Hill School. There was about 60 of us. Oh, I was just uh, enthralled and encouraged. And, and that night, I remember it well, when uh, I was just standing up with the Word of God and preaching the best I knew how, when two women walked in the back of the room. One of them was sobbing uncontrollably. The other one had brought her from a local Baptist church in town in, in, in Augusta because she came into the church service and had alcohol on her breath. They asked her to sit in the vestibule while the preaching was going on because they didn't want her to embarrass or be embarrassed. That's what they told her. So she sat out in the foyer with a wall between her and the normal people. And she sat out there and squalled and squalled. You could hear her, they said, outside. A woman got up and went out there and pulled up a chair, just a servant. She pulled up a chair. She said, can I introduce myself? And she did. And she said, what's your name? She said, Martha. She said, did you know your name is in the Bible? And she stopped crying for a minute. She said, it is. She said, it sure is. She said, Martha, how did you get here? She said, I just came I don't know why. I just came. She said, I came from North. She lived on Carolina Springs Road. She went all the way to this church, downtown Augusta, because she just knew of it and had seen some advertising. And this woman sat there and talked to her for a moment and said, if I was to take you somewhere where they could help you, would you go? And she said, what are you talking about somewhere? She said, I mean another church service that's going on just not far from your house. She said, yes, I would go. They got in their car, and they came to the Hammond Hill School building. I had just started to preach. When they came in the back door, you could see this woman visibly shaken by her problems. She never. The woman came in and sat down. The, uh, the woman who brought her sat down, but Martha, the one that was visibly upset, kept walking. I was preaching. I was announcing the text. I was about to get into the sermon. And she came walking down the middle aisle that we'd set up with chairs on both sides. And the faster or the longer she came, the faster she got. And the faster she got, the louder she screamed. And she squalled. And she fell into the steps over there on the little stage in the Hammond Hills cafeteria. Our folks were not estranged to that kind of religious activity. We just stopped the service. I said, let's pray for this lady. Some women gathered around, and I went down, and I took the Word of God. And we was probably there 15 or 20 minutes. And the church was just sitting praying. And Martha reached through the crowd. And she touched the hem of His garment. I went to her house to help her take the tinfoil off of the windows where she had trapped the sunlight out. I said, Martha, why did you do that? She said, because I couldn't stand to look outside. Her elbows were calloused like camel's knees from bending down on the floor, but hers were sitting 
on the kitchen dining room table with her head in her hands and her elbows were callous from pushing down on the weight, drinking six-pack after six-pack after six-pack. I have a picture at my house with a pile of beer cans behind her trailer that came to the eve of her house, of her mobile home. In the back, she would just throw them out the back and shut the door. We took the cellar, the, 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 the um, aluminum fall off the windows. We moved that pile of garbage. Some women in this church went over there and scrubbed that trailer. And that lady was bought a dress. And that lady came to church here for over six years. She got older. She moved to Macon. And the last time I heard from her, I hear from her probably every four, five, six months. She's in a church down there. She lives with her sister and her mother. I think her mother has died now, but her and her sister live in Macon. And when I go through there, I call her, and she's always excited about seeing us and hearing from us. She said, I don't know what I would have done if I had not gotten attached to you people. I was able to bring her daughter from Colorado to see her for the first time in over 14 years. She had left her and abandoned her and went into prostitution years before. Her body was racked with age and pain, and you could tell she had not been living in the confines of a church steeple. But she got attached. She said, my life took on new meaning whenever I found out that God loved me. She said, preacher, you're the first person that ever told me God would take me just like I was. God would take me just like I was. She said, I thought I had to sober up. She said, but I couldn't do that. I thought I had to get better. She said, I was getting worse all the time. But she said, when God loved me and I found out about it, she said, Brother Brown, what a joy. She stayed in our home overnight many a time. She babysitted our children when they were little. And there were times when she'd come over and eat with us and just sit and cry and would never take a bite of food, just thanking God she was attached. Some of you may feel that everything's not complete and you don't feel an adequate part. But I want to tell you something tonight. If you're in this church family, you are attached more than many people are. And if you'll continue to walk with God, you will get absorbed in what God is doing for you. And you can fix your detachment. Her daughter stayed here about two weeks. Could not believe what had happened to her mother. Her mother would write and her daughter would throw the letters away. She wouldn't even read them because of the things her dad had told about her mother, which were true, but a girl didn't need to hear all of that. But Martha, through her attachment here, learned how to attach with that girl. And the last time I heard, the girl's family was visiting from time to time, and the grandchildren were coming to Macon, and Macon was going to Colorado to the grandchildren. So I want to tell you something. That makes a preacher want to kick his shoes, slam through the ceiling, jump up on the pulpit, do backflips, and say, Glory! Hallelujah! She had an issue, but God fixed it. There's a second issue that she had. It was an issue of depression. Now, this was an issue of finances. <laughs> 
The first one was an issue of family. She was detached. She was an outcast. She was lonely. Second one was an issue of depression. See, this woman came with an issue to Jesus. Have you got an issue tonight? I want to tell you, if you can push through the crowd, if you can get to even to the back of him, she came in through the rear of the whole congregation, and she said, if I can just get to a piece of cloth. <laughs> she said, I know this man can help me. How did she know that? Because everybody else had failed her. And she had heard blinded eyes open. She had heard about people walking. And she had heard about people seeing and hearing. And she had heard about dead people being raised. She said, that's him. He can help me. And she had an issue of finances. The Bible says she had suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she had. Now, suffered many things of many physicians means she had went through many potions. She had went through many unable or inadequate promises. And what this woman was suffering from was basically a crowd who couldn't do anything to help her. And the Bible said she had spent all that she had and was nothing better. But here's the, here's the, here's the, the real critical part of it. But got worse spending everything she had. Let me ask you a question. Have you found out like this woman that there are empty promises? That are made many times for your ailments? Have you found empty promises from people given to you trying to emotionally help you or emotionally stir you? Have you found people empty with your problem and with your depression and with your lack and with your issue that you bring to church tonight? I want to tell you something. When people mean to do the best they can and forget. Hallelujah, God never will. God always does what He promised. I'm glad I can take this Bible and read it, and it's not like reading feeble promises from people, but I can take this Bible and read it and know it came right straight from the throne of God, and all I have to do is believe it, and God Almighty will invest it into my heart and soul. How many of you are here tonight glad God is the answer for the issue of depression? Some people are chronically depressed. Some people get up in the morning with an attitude, I'm going to stay depressed. Some people live on depression. They seek the depression. And all, sometimes all they get is empty promises. I, I might say this to you. That's all the devil will ever give you. That's all the devil will ever supply to you. He'll give you empty promises. And guess what that will lead to? An empty purse. She spent everything she had... And now, she's destitute, she's lonely, and she's suffering from depression. Women who have no security automatically are depressed. Some men get that way too, but most men can hand-to-mouth it. Most men can hook a crook, they can make it. Most men, they have a, an ego that's big enough to make them at least try to find something to eat and a place to sleep. But when a woman has nothing nor nobody and she spent everything she's got emotionally, she'll go into depression. 
And I wonder if we have an issue here tonight where Satan is trying to outfit you for a good case of depression. She spent all that she had. Have you done everything you can and you still can't get over something? Have you done all that? Now, a pastor's preaching to you tonight, not an evangelist. Have you done everything you know to do and you're still squalling and even don't even know why? Sarah, you've done everything you know to do including being operated on, and you've done everything from the clinic to the hospital room to the surgeon's knife, and, and it don't seem none better. And you've spent about all you got, and if you had more, they don't know anything else to do. That's depressing. Have you ever thought where you'd be now with this sickness if you were still in the same shape I found you? That day we prayed in the hospital over 25 years ago. She heard me on the radio one day. She was depressed. She was laying in the university hospital. And she called me on the telephone. She said, would you make a pastoral visit to somebody that's not a member of your church and a woman? I said, why in the world would that make a difference? She'd been going to a church of God where she'd basically been ostracized and put out. Because she wore lipstick and makeup. That's depressing. It's not right. If you can't love past lipstick and you can't love past makeup, and if you can't love past somebody's insignificant desires of appearance, if you can't love past that, I doubt if you can love at all. She said, would you come and pray for me? I said, how did you find out about me? She said, I was just now listening to the radio and heard you preach. I went up to the hospital. We got down by the floor. I did by the bed on the floor. And we prayed. And God in His goodness began at that moment to give you what you needed to go through where you are now. Had you been there where you are now without Him, you might be suicidal. I wouldn't doubt that at all. But now God has brought you through these circumstances and situations and problems and all the rest. Why? To let you know you don't have to be depressed. Because the worst thing that can happen to a child of God whose name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life is heaven. Give Him praise and glory. I want to say this. Don't you ever come over here and feel second class because you have some depression. Some people in the church seem to think because you get depressed, you don't have any faith. They think because you, you get depressed, you don't have any confidence in yourself. They think because you get depressed, there's an inadequacy in your relationship with God. So nobody, how are you doing? I'm depressed. Pray for me. Nobody says that. You've never walked up to somebody probably who began to tell you exactly what, I want you to pray for me specifically. I suffer from deep depression. Would you pray for me? If you really want to know how I'm doing, that's it. If you really care, pray for me. 
This woman was suffering from depression. Why? Everything she had was pulled out from under. There is absolutely no evidence that she even had a place to put a wash rag, much less a wash rag to clean her body or her sores. She was exiled, and all that she had means she didn't have nothing else. Everything had been sold. Everything had been paid to imposters. That's enough to depress you. Just to have a doctor try to help you, take your money, and you get worse. She's depressed. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have an issue with depression? I want to tell you something. There's only one basic, solid remedy. Touch him. Go to God. Get to Him. If you have to push the press out of the way, if you have to get, if you have to weasel your way through the hypocrites and you have to go through the Pharisees and you have to reach around and just touch a thread of evidence, I promise you this, there's enough in a thread of what Jesus has for you to heal the whole bolt of cloth in your life. Men are not naturally depressed most of the time. More men are now than want to admit it, but depression is something we all have a measure <coughs> a measure of. But I want to encourage all of you to look to Him with it. Some of your marriages have failed. Some of your jobs fail. Some of everything you got. You, you haven't been as good as some other people you sit on the pew with. You haven't been as successful as some people you go to church with. You look at some people and say, boy, I wish I'd have made some moves like he did and been like him. I want to say something to you. You are what you are by the grace of God, and where you are is where God puts you for a reason. Don't you look around in this church and try to measure yourself up against everybody else, because everybody in here has got some kind of problem you don't need. God, I wish I could get that across to you. You look around and say, Oh, Brother Brown's got it together. Oh, Sister Brown's a giant for God. Oh, I tell you, both of the Browns and all the Browns need a good dose of God and need a good dose of Jesus because we suffer the same things you do. <laughs> There's times when you don't have what you think you need and you've done everything you can do to get it to work. And you spent all and gotten worse over it. You're not a second class citizen nor a sorry church member. That's probably closer to normality than the folks who boast about what they have. I wonder tonight if I was to ask, now for God's sake, I'm not. But I wonder if I was to ask if you suffer from bouts of depression. I wonder if I was to ask if you suffer from bouts with detachment, sometimes you feel like you don't belong anywhere. You feel like you're the only person in the world that feels like this. And you're just a solitary solitude, sitting alone somewhere in life with people all around you, but you're lonesome. That's the loneliest lonely there ever has been, is when you're in a crowd and you feel Lonesome. And then the issue of depression. That was an issue of finances. She didn't have anything. And she, I don't know what she had when she started, but I don't know what she had when she finished. She didn't have nothing. If that don't depress you, you're probably abnormal. Then notice the third one. She brought an issue of doubt. This was an issue of faith. 
I want you to notice quickly, if you will, please, in the story, God has used me tonight. Somebody is, is sucking this out. Somebody is absorbed. And you're awful quiet, but you're alert. You're not hollering and screaming, but your ears are. Tell me more. Help me. I see your ears bending by themselves to hear what thus saith the Lord. Praise God, I feel like a pastor. That's what a pastor does. That's not what a preacher does necessarily. But a pastor wants to reach out and say, you're okay. You're all right. Just because you don't have everything you started out with, and it costs you, and you don't have anything, and you're getting worse. You still have a place to go touch. And then there was the issue of her doubt. She had to deal with doubt, as all of us do when we need to trust by faith. She had the issue of doubt. The Bible says she heard of Jesus. Give me that verse of Scripture. The Bible says when she heard of Jesus, right there she could have said, I'll never get to Him. Look at me. I'm exiled. I'm cast out. I'm contagious. They'll know me. Surely they'll know me. If they see me in that crowd, they'll church me right there. Plus, what's a woman in my shape got to do trusting a God or trusting a Savior or trusting a Messiah such as this one? That's why she came in from the rear. That's why she came in from the back. She didn't get out in the crowd where they could see her. She came where he was talking from behind. And she pushed through the press quickly. And she said, if I can just get to him, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch him, I don't have to hug him. I don't have to have him to hold me. He don't have to touch me. If I can just touch him, I want you to know that she brought an issue of faith. To the house of God. To the place where the preacher of preachers was preaching. Do you have an issue of doubt to deal with in church tonight? Is, is, is the devil telling you, even if you could, you know you don't have enough faith for God to take care of that issue you brought here tonight? Some of you have issue of payments. Some of you have issues of debt. Some of you have issues that you're bringing tonight. And there's nothing in the world like being straddled with impossibilities and can't make it to work. But I want to tell you something. Hallelujah to God. You can take your need to Him and touch the Him of Him. <laughs> you can touch the Him of Him. And she got better. What a Him. <laughs> and after it was over, what of her? Notice, if you will, please, what happened. She heard. She came. She touched. And fourthly, Timmy, she felt. I want you to see, the Bible says she heard of Jesus. Now, she just heard what he could do. And faith cometh by what? She heard about what he was doing for others, and God put enough faith in her depressed heart. That's why when you're depressed, and that's why when you are detached, and that's when doubts overcome you. That's why you need to hang around where faith is being preached, because that faith will stir you to action. She heard, then she came. You can't just hear when you hear the gospel and faith starts stirring, she came 
came, and then she saw him from behind, and she was enraged with possibility, and she ran and touched him. And then the Bible uses the word. She felt that in her body she was whole or healed of the plague. I want to tell you this. You'll never touch him or he touch you that he won't leave behind the evidence that somebody got touched. I like that word felt. (laughs) You'll know it when God starts stirring in your issues. You'll know it when your issues are being confronted by God. You'll know it when you bring your issues to Him. You'll know when He starts working, something will happen and He will communicate with the innermost being of your life. And all of a sudden, something will start happening. For God's sake, stand to your feet and I'll shut up, alright? Everybody stand. Did you bring some issues here tonight? Did you bring some issues? You didn't hear a great preacher, and you sure didn't hear a great sermon, but you heard a pastor reach out to you tonight if you ever have. I, Timmy, I don't have this, but type this in as we go along. I want you to, I want you to get three things out of this while we give the invitation. <laughs> in verse number 26, when worse comes, it is to drive you to Jesus. It is not to hurt you. When worse comes, and it did in this situation, it will drive you to Jesus. It's meant as an issue to bring you to Christ. This woman would have went to hell well, but she had an issue. Her issue brought her to Him. Number two, please look up here, right up here. Number two, just a touch of Him can fix 12 years worth of misery. Just a touch. It didn't take 12 touches, a touch per year. You didn't have to touch him in a certain place. You didn't have to touch him like the Catholics said. You didn't have to touch him like the Methodists said. You didn't have to touch him gently like the Baptists said. Just touch him. And one touch can fix 12 years worth of misery. How many of you can lift your hand and say amen to that? The third thing I want you to get is when He does a work, you will know it. Now take that from verse 26 on the first one, 27 and 29 on the second one, and 29b on the third one. Have you had, do you have an issue here tonight with feeling detached, even your family? There, are, there may be somebody here. Holy Spirit, thank you. You may be here tonight, one saved, one lost, one is detached, and the detachment has been because God came to bring a sword. God came to bring a division. And the division is not His will. The division is as natural as being saved. When a man gets saved and a woman doesn't, the sword divides them because when when one comes into Christ, they change their attitude and their faith change. But what about that one that doesn't? It becomes an issue of detachment. You say, well, how can I fix it? The one who saved can't go back. The one who isn't must come to Him. Said it sounds like one way to me. It is. It's God's way. Period. Do you have an issue tonight of depression? The absence of everything and no hope to see anything coming? Steve, don't you be depressed. 
or, or, or discouraged or distraught over your move. Sister, God is going to take... Let me tell you something happened. Uh, Sam, was you, you was with me the other night. We were talking about buying a bus. Me and him. We was in... Hickory, North Carolina. <laughs> I've been to so many places, I don't even know where I've been. We, we was at, we was going down, we was coming from Charlotte over to Gastonia to take 321 up to Hickory. And we was, we was talking about it. He, he, it Sam and I, and he said, it's, 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 it'll be alright. Or was it, was you with us when we seen that bus go by and it said on the back, it, we was in Charlotte, that's right, uh, Jeff was with us. Steve, a bus flies by us running about 80. On the back, it was a charter bus. On the back, it said, God will provide. Am I telling it like it was? Remember that, Sam? Oh, Jeff said, look at that! And we couldn't, he was going so fast, we couldn't even catch up to see what color it was written in. Oh, hallelujah. When you don't have, he does. And He will. Is there an issue of doubt? Don't be the kind of Christian, listen to me, don't be the kind of Christian in here that causes people to doubt further with comments like, well, if you believe God, He'll take care of it. Watch out. You'll have to believe Him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, sister, when that happened to me, bless God, I got victory. Oh, you're so sweet. We could put you in the oven with cinnamon and just eat you after church. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, you get faithful. God will fix it. I know some people in here that don't miss nothing who doubt God. Some of them work here. One of them preaches here every once in a while. Me. I have, you can do everything correct, and there's still going to be some incorrectness. But you don't need to go to church with a bunch of people that make you feel worse when you go home than when you're there. Amen. What about it? I wonder if you're a woman with some issues. Or maybe a man. How about just a Christian with some issues? I wonder if we're just coming while he plays on that piano. Just a moment. We'll take. Just a few minutes, not long. Come on, we, we, I'm done. We'll go home as soon as you get through. Why don't you just come quickly? We're going to pray. That's, that's fine. Some of you are by yourself. Some of you have been exiled, it seems, from family and sometimes from friend. That's it. That's it. Preacher, I have an issue. I'd just like to come and kneel down tonight and pray and ask God to help me not to feel so detached, to help me with my depression. And yes, to help me in my doubt with this issue of believing God. College student, sometimes our issues are issues of doubt in our faith. Holy Spirit, thank You for what You're going to do. Thank You for the household of faith tonight, for the house of God.